the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre recorded. The Cleveland Browns want a new stadium. Uh, this isn't a sports show, but every now and then we do work it in, sport work, work some sports in, especially when it overlaps into politics and culture. But I saw the news today that the owner of the Browns, the owners of the Browns, are actually considering um, trying to get the city to give them a new stadium. Now, the one they play in right now was built in 1999. That makes it two years older than Akershire Stadium, Heinz Field when it was built, of course. The stadium they have in mind would cost $1 billion, okay? The one they're playing in now costs $283 million to build. So it's going to cost, you know, almost four times as much. Uh, and that's how much Heinz Field costs, by the way, about somewhere right around there, 270 280 I think. And they're actually talking about putting a roof on the stadium they want up in Cleveland. Now, that would be borderline sacrilegious to have the Browns' home field be indoors, to have the Cleveland Browns playing in Cleveland in one of those antiseptic, boring, nauseating, un-American stadiums would be puke material. And every Browns fans everywhere should be ashamed if that happens. Now, I don't uh, blame the Browns' ownership for, for thinking they could get a new stadium. They'd be crazy not to try to get one if they thought they could pull it off. But blame the idiotic, corrupt politicians that might let it happen. Remember, the Browns are the team. Remember, uh, it wasn't all that long ago that uh, they guaranteed some guy named Deshaun Watson $230 million? That was last year. That's about one-fourth the cost of the stadium, by the way. Also keep in mind that they get $350 million a year from network TV, and I'm guessing they sell out every game. So they shouldn't get one dime from the taxpayers for a new stadium, and any politician who votes for it should be impeached, if not imprisoned. And keep in mind that if this should happen, the Steelers are going to be asking for a new stadium within a couple of years. There's no way... They are going to let the Browns get a new stadium, and they don't get one. And they'll want a retractable roof, too. And they'll use the same excuse that the Browns are using, that the city would get much more use out of the stadium with a roof on it. And again, don't blame Art Rooney II or anybody associated with the Steelers. They're crazy if they don't go for it. It's the politicians to keep your eye on. Now, what the Browns won't say about you know the, the stadium with a dome getting more use uh, for the, the city getting more use out of it. What the Browns won't say and what the corrupt politicians in Cleveland won't say is that if the taxpayers do pay for a new stadium that has a roof on it that creates all these extra events, it'll be the Browns who will be getting the revenue produced by any non-football events. That's the way it works here in Pittsburgh. Also keep in mind that when local governments pay for football stadiums, somehow or other federal taxpayers are being forced to pay part of the bill which means if the Browns do get a new taxpayer-funded stadium, you're going to help pay for it. How do you like that, Steelers fans? And here's a prediction. The Browns will get the stadium they want, and no politician will pay a price for making it happen. When we come back, uh, speaking of theft, we'll talk to an expert about the big guy's idiotic plan to make you and me pay for somebody else's college loan. And in our second half hour, Professor of Communications Jeff McCall will be here to talk about what a bad several days it's been for most of the media. Stick around. Eric was way behind on his taxes. I owed a lot of money to the IRS, almost $15,000. I tried to make payments. The IRS wasn't satisfied with Eric's efforts, so they came after him full force. They're coming to put a lien and a hold on all my income, my home, my car. I was just overwhelmed at what to do. Then Eric called Optima Tax Relief. When Optima Tax got involved, the cars would stop, the threats would stop. It was easy like... uh 
1-2-3. Optima Tax Relief is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, and their team of expert tax professionals took care of Eric's problem. I owe 15000 and now my debt is clean. I don't owe anything. Take Eric's advice. If you have a tax problem, you need to call Optima Tax now. Call Optima Tax Relief for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get Get your MyPillow 2.0s now. The word is out. People are abandoning their overpriced wireless carriers and flocking to Pure Talk for the same 5G coverage, but at a fraction of the price. In fact, the average family saves over $800 a year when switching from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. Or if you still want unlimited data... You can get that and still save a fortune. So make the switch and get the same coverage as the big guys, but at half the price. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code half off, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code half off. Switch to Pure Talk and get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month because Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Paid for by Christian Care Ministry. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch to the customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call Right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 844-47-BIBLE. That's 844-47-BIBLE. 844-47-BIBLE. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Well, the Supreme Court heard arguments on Joe Biden's plan to make you pay off somebody else's student loan, which, I don't know, wouldn't seem like something the federal government could get away with in a free country. But that's, uh, that's what's going on. E.J. Antoni is a uh, research fellow for regional economics in the Center for Data Analysis at the Heritage Foundation. He's been following this. He joins us now. E.J., thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. So to a layman like me, uh, this seems like a case that could be cited in less than a minute. Uh, I mean, oh, where, where, in the Const- where in the Constitution does Joe Biden believe he gets the power to make me pay off a loan that you took out? But no, you're, you are you are just hitting the nail on the head here. This is the clearest cut, most black and white, open shut case that possibly has ever come before the Supreme Court. Biden has no authority whatsoever. It's not because he's Biden. It's not because he's a Democrat. It's because he's the president. The president has no authority whatsoever to do this. He's literally telling people who have paid off their debt that they have to pay off someone else's debt. I mean, where does he get off thinking he can do this? Okay, but why is it at the Supreme Court? 
Why wasn't it just? Why wasn't it laughed out of whatever court it started in, or this laughed off the table when the, the first time somebody mentioned it? Well, I mean, because unfortunately, we live in clown world today, right? We we live in a world where where a man is a woman, where inflation, you know, oh, it's just transitory. I mean, the manipulation of the English language by this by these people is, is just second to none. So. But but it is, uh, I guess it was today that uh, the Supreme Court began to hear arguments, correct? That, that's correct. And, you know, one of the things that is being laid out before the court is that, look, you are essentially asking people who either, A, never even went to college, or B, they went to college but they didn't take out debt, or C, they took out debt but they paid it off, to pay for the debt of other people. And there is absolutely nothing in any of these contractual obligations which in any way indicates that, that this is possible. Somebody's making the argument, E.J., what, what is the argument that's being made by the Democrats? Uh, and Joe Biden, I saw, I, I didn't see the story, I was on my way getting ready to leave the come in here, and I just saw a headline that said uh, that, that Joe Biden thinks that he has the legal authority to... Uh, cancel the loans he's so he i know he's an idiot i know that but he's he's the president well the the loophole that they're trying to use it it really is a loophole they're taking a law that that dates back to the the early stages of the war on terror right so we're talking the early 2000s when the government was trying to provide student debt relief for certain people who were involved with military service, essentially. And so the Biden administration is trying to really twist the language of that legislation to create broad-based student loan so-called relief. But there's no such thing as relief. There's no such thing as debt forgiveness. You can't forgive a debt unless you're the person who loaned the money. Right, John, if you if you loan me five bucks and I come to you later and say, John, I, I'm sorry, I don't have the money to pay you back, and you say, it's okay, I forgive you, I forgive the debt, that's one thing. You can't forgive the debt that someone else borrowed from yet another third party. All we're doing is we are transferring the debt from one group of people to another. To, we're putting it on the backs of taxpayers. And really, how is being made to pay off my neighbor's college loan any different from being made to pay off his mortgage or his car loan? It's a great question, and that's yet another one of the points that is coming before the court right now, is how can you justify this and not do the exact same thing with credit card debt or with mortgage debt or auto loans, as, as you mentioned? You know, and, and this whole idea, by the way, that this is somehow going to help the economy, that somehow if, if we do this, then these young college grads are going to have more money to spend, for example. Okay, sure, even if we want to go along with that, which I, I would contest that, but let's just assume that's true. What we're doing is we're making other people pay for it. So you're just taking the same amount of money out of someone else's pocket, which means there's less money that other person is going to have to spend. This is a zero-sum game. It's just it's so insane that I, it's hard to believe that that it's even being uh, the time is being wasted on it. I, I compare it to um, you. You uh, there's a knock on your door, and the guy who lives three doors down says, "Listen, uh, we uh, we we need some money." Um, the, the guy, Mister Smith, down there, he's about ten houses down the street. He uh, his uh, son is really struggling trying to pay his pay off his college loan. We need five bucks from you. And you say, well, wait a minute. I, I'm not, I, why am I, I don't, I'm not giving them, I'm not giving you a nickel. That's just, I don't believe in that. And they say, oh, no, no. You don't understand. All of us here on the street, we voted on it. And so you have to give them the money as if that would somehow justify it, which is, which is the way the Democrats approach these things. Wait a minute. We'll just vote on it. That, isn't that why you have a constitution so, so to protect you from this kind of stupidity? Well, I think the current situation, though, John, is even worse than that, because in the current situation, it's not as if Congress somehow voted on this and the president signed it into law and then the law is being challenged. We're just talking about a random executive action here, something which the president had absolutely no constitutional authority whatsoever to do. I, I, I think maybe a, you know, a, a, a better example might be if you're in an HOA and the HOA 
votes to say, okay, we're going to levy a new HOA fee every year to put in, let's say, a communal swimming pool. And you may say, well, wait a second. You know, I never agreed to that. I voted against it. But that's one of the things that goes along with with being part of an HOA. On the contrary, let's say the head of the HOA just comes in and says, you know what, we're putting in a swimming pool and you're all going to have to pay more in fees for it every year. And everyone says, whoa, whoa, whoa. No one voted on this. That's what the Biden administration is trying to do here. Yeah, and the Biden administration has also extended the pause uh, on student loans uh, at least six times, I think maybe seven. And so who's left in holding the bag on that? Is it the U.S. Treasury or banks that are, that are you know, being stiffed? Well, the banks are not getting stiffed. It's going, uh, the bill is going to the U.S. Treasury, but you got to remember the U.S. Treasury is not a person. The U.S. Treasury can't pay for squat, quite frankly. So that means it's the taxpayer that is paying for it because the taxpayer is the one who funds the Treasury. So once again, this is going on the backs of taxpayers. Just the interest alone for this, uh, these student loan pauses, it's $5 billion a month. Um, every single month. Again, that's just the interest. Now, if you want to talk about all the people who are in these different kinds of forgiveness programs where once they make 120 payments, in other words, they pay for 10 years, the, the remaining balance is forgiven. Guess what? All of these pauses that have been going on are counting towards that, even though they're not paying a dime. So, so it's $130 billion in interest. Um, that's that's uh, something like that. That's that's uh, is that up to this point, or is that if they pay it all off? Is that is that is that where we are right now? One hundred and thirty billion. Oh no, it's it's actually much more than that because you got to remember this pause was put in place uh, back in in early twenty twenty. So we've had this for several years now, and what's happening is that again, all of that, all of that, those interest charges have been lost. In other words, they're not, they're no longer revenue coming into the treasury. The taxpayer is having to foot that bill. But now on top of that, you are going to have all of this, uh, automatic essentially debt forgiveness that happens. Uh, if, for example, if you work, uh, in, in certain jobs that are, that are considered, uh, public sector, and, you know, this would include certain public school teachers even, you know, after a certain number of months, you're now going to get whatever is left on your student loans forgiven. So now you're talking about not just interest, but principal payment on top of that. Again, this is hundreds of billions of dollars that the American taxpayer is getting stuck with. Uh, and and so uh, how much is owed right now? Oh, in, in terms of student loans? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's uh, almost a $2 trillion market. And so what will paying them off do to the national debt? Because, you know, you gotta, the oh, money's got to oh come from somewhere. Oh, my goodness. Yes, no, absolutely. You know, if, if people think inflation is bad now, if people think interest rates are high now, just wait until we rack up even more national debt. Just wait until the Treasury borrows even more money and just wait until the Fed has to print even more to cover those even larger deficits. And, uh, you know, we hear... They- especially since uh, since the pandemic and all the money that was thrown around by the government, a trillion doesn't even sound like that much anymore. That used to be that that was the T word. You never even you never even heard anybody use that number. Now you're talking about two trillion dollars almost just to pay off student loans. Right. And you know what? It's it's really tough sometimes to to put these things in perspective because to your point we've become so desensitized to a lot of these words and once you throw enough zeros on a number right it really doesn't make sense anymore to most people so what has this done to the average american what has this done to the average family this has caused so much inflation and now interest rates are going up to combat that that is causing so much more uh, borrowing costs for the average American family, that it's like you took $7,500 a year out of that family's pocket. You know, for, for a family making the median income, that's 10%. For a lot of families, it's as if they lost an entire month's income because that is now going to cover the higher costs of not only borrowing, that's like things like interest charges on credit cards or, you know, a higher, uh, higher cost for a mortgage, 
but also just every time you you put gas in the tank or groceries in the back seat. Yeah, and uh, what? How many? What percentage of um, people who go to college go don't go unless they get a loan? I mean, how, are there are there still a good number of people who actually just pay for it without having to borrow? Well, about a third of of those attending uh, college borrow each year. Now, some of those are just going to borrow in the first year and then maybe not in subsequent years. Likewise, you might have someone who doesn't borrow in their first year and then they borrow in later years. So more than a third of graduates you know, have, have debt upon graduation. But each year, about a third of those, of those students are going to borrow. But guess what happens if you all of a sudden turn around and unexpectedly forgive debt? Now, in the future, new people in college are going to expect the same treatment. In other words, they're going to take out money even when they don't need it, or they're going to take out more than they otherwise would. This creates what, what we call a moral hazard problem, where you are now encouraging this kind of, of bad behavior. And we're talking to E.J. Antona. He's a uh, research fellow for regional economics at the Heritage Foundation. So, if uh, E.J., if, um, if Joe Biden can find the power to make taxpayers pay off other people's loans, and there's a lot of doubt about whether he's going to be able to do that. But anyway, if he can do that, or he thinks he can do that, why wouldn't he find, uh, it, why wouldn't he think he'd be able to f- have the power to make the colleges pay refunds out of their billion-dollar endowments? In other words, I owe $50,000 on my uh, debt because my paid, I paid uh, $60,000 a year to go to a school. How about you give me some of my money back? Well, see, this is this is the problem when you have uh, uh, lenders who the loan is guaranteed and you have colleges where, again, the loan is guaranteed. Those groups now have no incentive to make sure that a student is only getting financing if that student both has good chance of graduating and good job prospects after graduation, upon which time they can actually pay off their debt. And so what happens is now no one has an incentive to make sure that the student actually borrows within their means. And what is the result of that then? Well, we said earlier it's about a $2 trillion market for student loans, and you have many people where they get into this crushing cycle of debt that they can never get out of. Now, to be clear, that is a minority. The vast majority of people who have student loan debt are able to pay that off within a reasonable amount of time. It's not as if they spend 30 years trying to pay off that debt. Most people can pay it off relatively quickly, but you do still have those occasions. You still do have those occasions where you have students who are taken advantage of by these institutions because those institutions are just looking out for themselves. They have zero incentive to make sure that the student is borrowing within their means. And I think it makes absolute sense you know, to stop these federal guaranteed loans and make sure the banks and the schools have some skin in the game. You know, uh, what's different here, that uh, probably not mentioned that much, but that often, but um, people are getting married a lot later these days. I, I'm old, but I was married in my mid-20s. Most of my friends were married in their early to mid-20s. People aren't getting married now. First of all, they're not getting married at all the way they used to, but they're not getting married until their early to mid-30s. So you're actually in better, uh, you're better able to pay back your loan because you don't have a, a family. It's just you. So if, to pay off the loan, you know, maybe you, have, you, you, have, you can't get that BMW. Maybe you've got to settle for a Nissan, you know, uh, or, or not get the best cell phone, you know, smartphone. It, it shouldn't be that tough. No, certainly. And, and again, if, if you actually look at the, the, the data, if you break it down and you look at the distribution of these student loans, you have this huge bulk of the loans that are actually held by graduate students. In other words, you have, you have this minority of borrowers who hold a majority of the debt. And the reason for that is because they are spending a lot of money to get, uh, to get these advanced degrees that are going to allow them to earn a very high lifetime income. And so when we're talking about this, this student loan forgiveness nonsense, you are largely talking about benefiting people who are already going to be in the top 1% of income earners for, for a good chunk of their lifetime. Well, let's see how it works out. I, I, I just can't even believe they're even talking about it. Uh, 
cluttering up the Supreme Court and talking about this with a straight face, but uh, we'll see where it goes. EJ, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you very much. That's EJ and Tony, and he's with the Heritage Foundation. We'll be right back. SRN News. I'm John Scott. The Supreme Court hearing arguments in a legal fight over President Biden's plan to wipe away or reduce student loans. During oral arguments, Chief Justice John Roberts says the program is estimated to cost the government some $400 billion. If you're talking about this in the abstract, I think most casual observers would say if you're going to give up that much amount of money, if you're going to affect the obligations of that many Americans on a subject that's of great controversy, they would think that's something for Congress to act on. And if they haven't acted on it, then maybe that's a good lesson to say for the uh, president or or the um, uh, administrative bureaucracy that maybe that's not something they should undertake on their own. So far, Republican-appointed judges on lower courts have blocked that plan. On Wall Street, the Dow is down 137 points, but the Nasdaq is ahead 56. This is SRN News. From the creators of I Can Only Imagine comes Jesus Revolution. If you look a little deeper, if you look with love, you'll see an entire generation searching for all the right things, just in all the wrong places. Based on a true revolution. You're going to need a bigger church. Jesus Revolution. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now playing. Go to JesusRevolution.movie. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. We make the amazing Solaire infrared gas grills that are built to last and will consistently deliver better than restaurant grilled food. The Solaire infrared burner heats up to 1,000 degrees in just three minutes, even in the dead of winter. The high heat locks in the juices and flavor and grills food faster. Learn more about these fantastic USA-made grills at BestHotGrill.com. Solaire hot, fast grills at BestHotGrill.com. AM 1250, The Answer. The Mike Gallagher Show. He's your happy conservative warrior. I want to talk about it with you, though, because I want to lay out what Trump is clearly going to be up against as we head into the 2024 campaign. This is going to be a battle that is a 100 times more intense than what he faced in 2016. Breaking news and what to make of it. The Mike Gallagher Show. Weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The answer. Wouldn't it be great to work in a place that makes a positive impact on the people, businesses, and churches around you? That place exists. I know because I work there. My name is Cassie, and I'm the digital marketing specialist with Salem Media Group in Pittsburgh. Right now, 101.5 Word FM and Salem Surround have an opening for one talented salesperson to join our team. Is that you? We'll bring the training, you just bring the talent. An understanding of digital marketing and some direct sales experience will definitely help you stand out. What are you waiting for? Take the first step to a career that is challenging, rewarding, and helps to create terrific results for our amazing customers. Join the sales team at Salem Media Group Pittsburgh. Email your resume to brad.marshall at salempittsburgh.com. That's brad.marshall at salempittsburgh.com. Salem Media Group is an equal opportunity employer. The new year gives us the opportunity to make resolutions. You may have goals focusing on your physical, mental, or financial health, but have you considered your legal health? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman. You may have been putting off updating your estate plan or creating one altogether. We provide free consultations in order for you to finally check the box off your resolution list. Whether you want to discuss the difference between a will or a trust or the functions of a power of attorney, we'd love to talk to you. To schedule a free consultation today, visit a-h.law. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Mainly clear skies expected for tonight will reach a nighttime low of 31. Tomorrow will be warm with temperatures approaching near record highs. With times of clouds and sunshine, a breezy afternoon tomorrow with a high of 68. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy with a passing shower late, the low 45. Thursday, sunny to partly cloudy skies will reach a high Thursday of 51. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. 
This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. This has been a tough week for the legacy media, whatever you want to call them. At least you would think it should be if they're capable of being embarrassed. Uh, stories that they either dismissed or called conspiracy theories or both are turning out to be true. Uh, Jeffrey McCall is a professor of communications at DePaul University, a regular guest on this radio show, and he joins us now. Thanks for coming on again, Jeff. You're welcome, John. Good afternoon. So, uh, first there was a study that showed masks were useless a few days ago, and then a report that the Energy Department had intelligence uh, that shows that the virus escaped from a lab in Wuhan. I don't get the feeling there's been much backtracking or apologizing from most of the media on this. Oh, no, the establishment media will not apologize for any of this. And, in fact, they're doing very little coverage of these revelations at all. And you you just barely got the tip of the iceberg in terms of uh, all the mistakes that were made in the news coverage of this issue. And uh, I'm sure you and your listeners would be interested in a column that was in the New York Post just this week by a medical doctor at Johns Hopkins, you know, which is uh, a well-regarded medical institution. Marty McCary is the guy who wrote it. But he lists 10 different things that were reported in the mainstream media uh, over the course of the COVID crisis that turned out to all be wrong. Uh, and it includes the masks. It includes that uh, school closures would reduce the spread of COVID. Uh, it talked about boosters. It talked about natural immunity. I remember they talked about at one time that even if you'd had COVID and had natural immunity, that you still had to have vaccinations. We now know that that wasn't true either. And so the bottom line here is I think the establishment media, or you call them the legacy media, and that works too, uh, they did a very poor job of reporting, uh, particularly in the early days of COVID. Uh, and, I, you know, you can give them a little break that in the early days there was a lot of confusion and a lot of chaos. But by now we've had plenty of time to look back and to see what the mistakes were and to start to report correctly. And I don't even see that they have an interest now in trying to fix the mistakes they made before. And, and then certainly there's been no acknowledgement that they were wrong before or made mistakes. And I think that was one of the real problems that I have with the mainstream media looking back, is that when COVID hit and there was confusion and there were different points of view about what it meant, how to deal with it, where it came from, all that kind of stuff, there was no independent enterprising journalism being done to look at all the different possibilities. The activist media, as I like to call them sometimes, made all of their decisions on what to cover based on who was saying uh, particular things. And so when Tom Cotton was one of the, Senator Cotton from Arkansas, was one of the first people to say, hey, this thing might have come from that lab over there in Wuhan, and he was immediately berated and called a racist and a conspiracy loon and everything else. Uh, and, you know, Trump even at one point said he, there was evidence perhaps that uh, it had come from the lab. And he was listed as a xenophobe. And when, you know, he was uh, canceling flights from China, he was considered a racist and a xenophobe. And this kind of journalistic negligence is really irresponsible when you get right down to it. Because it started to demonize people who just raised questions. And in a free society, you want people raising questions. And the people who were dismissing Senator Cotton and Rand Paul from Kentucky and Trump and some of the others, yeah, I mean, they didn't know what the facts were at the time. I mean, do you think anybody at the Washington Post or CNN knew one way or the other whether natural immunity uh, was sufficient to protect you from COVID going forward or whether we needed to close schools? They would have had no idea. And these reporters even though they had no idea, were easy to just take political sides rather than to look at uh, the, the story from multiple perspectives. And as we've talked before, they were unwilling to go where the facts might go because the facts didn't suit them necessarily if it supported Trump or any of the other people that they just don't like and wanted to label. Yeah, I, I think, uh, Jeff, one of the things that is, I'm not going to say it was, it's been forgotten, but it's been kind of... Uh, diminished when we look back on on everything that's happened you very rarely hear anybody remind us that it was an election year so that's right that that for that for all that insanity to erupt um in an election year 
that didn't that just fuel the the um, the bias and 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 throw gasoline on the on the on the bias fire just because this was oh boy this is going to kill Trump we got to go and and it was almost again wishful thinking journalism they wanted every bit of news about the the virus to be the worst thing possible yeah I, I think you're right on that I mean I, I don't think there's any question that the establishment media was anti-Trump. And some more than others, I know. Uh, but I don't think there's much question that Trump got a very rough ride from the establishment media. Uh, and, and my guess is most of the people who worked at the New York Times and places like that were on the Biden bandwagon. And instead of looking at COVID as a health crisis for the world and the nation and wanting to cover it from the standpoint of the economic implications or the educational implications or the health implications, they were looking at it only from the standpoint of politics and like, hey, if we cover it in a certain way, it helps one political candidate. And if we cover it a different way, it might hurt the other guy or help the other guy. So we're, we're going to make our decisions based on politics. And that is a terrible way to do journalism. Now, that's not to say that if you didn't, that if you had opinion writers or commentators or whatever, that they couldn't have their run at that. But you certainly didn't need that on the front page of these mainstream media organizations. And when Tom Cotton was one of the first guys to say, hey, we need to look for where this leak came from, it might have come from that lab, there were headlines in the Washington Post just calling him a nut. And I'm thinking, well, maybe Tom Cotton didn't know everything at that time either, but I'm sure the people at the Washington Post didn't know either. And to label him at that point was really out of line. And I think you're exactly right. Uh, the politics entered into the situation, and I think it's very irresponsible of the, the of the press corps to be making decisions on the nation's economy and the lives and deaths of many people around the country based on who they want in the White House. Um, I'm not saying that, that that politics don't enter into so many decisions, but I don't think you want to sacrifice the education of our young people, the health of our service members. Uh, and the uh, national economy and the lockdowns and stuff just to be able to make a political statement. And that's kind of what I think happened. Do you give them any credit for feeling like, because it was at the time considered, which has been turned out to be, which has turned out to be not true, but at the time, everybody seemed to be, if not convinced, pretty sure that it was a life and death situation. Do you give them any credit for erring on the side of safety and assuming that I'm not a doctor and Dr. Fauci is, so I gotta, I gotta, whatever he says, I believe him. Do you give him any credit for that? I, you know, or a pass at it, least. It, 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 it is worth giving him a little bit of a pass, but I'd say for about six or eight weeks, uh, because when COVID hit, and I mean, really, it kind of arrived on the scene uh, with a vengeance in mid March of 2020, and right off the bat, people didn't know, all right. But even by late that spring, there was evidence that uh, closing the schools was not necessary. Uh, by late spring, there were already uh, scientists, and I'm not one, by the way, but there were other scientists, and Macari was one of them, saying natural immunity should take care of this, and when a vaccine comes out, we're not going to have to force it on people. There were people saying that stuff you know, in late spring 2020 and certainly into the summer, and, 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 it's, and for sure by the following fall, when it was time for kids to go back to school, and school still didn't open. And so I'm thinking, you know, you're right. They deserve a break. I shouldn't be too harsh, you know, for the first few weeks because it was scary. It was very scary, and nobody knew what to do. But by summer and fall, people did know what to do. But with, by that time, we're in the real heated election season, and by that time it was still being used as a political club to influence the election. And I think that there are still people, even to this at this point, there. Um, Colbert, not a media guy, not a news guy or a journalist, but he was making fun of the fact that the news about Wuhan or the intelligence about Wuhan came from the Energy Department. He was saying it was a joke, and another guy said he's waiting for the DMV to weigh in before he. So in other words, they're making fun. <laughs> they're making fun of the source, but. Um, Back in the days, uh, Jeff, when journalism still counted and enterprise, a word that you used a few minutes ago, sure. uh, was still part of, the, part of the deal, what would the networks be doing with these new revelations right now? 
Well, they, they should give it more attention than they do, and I'm sure like many of your listeners and you and I, we both watch um, you know, various news outlets and try to see what's going on. And Fox News is covering this stuff, Newsmax is covering this stuff, and you'll find it on like the Daily Caller and Red State and places like that. But the coverage of these revelations uh, regarding where the leak came from, whether natural immunity was fine, uh, whether you know, the vaccinations actually helped increase vaccination rate and that kind of stuff, has been very sparsely covered uh, and certainly uh, in a backhanded sort of way on CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, and kind of those traditional what, what we'd consider establishment media. So it, it's not like they've ignored it altogether, but they're, sure, they're surely not going full bore at it. And, and honestly, this is the kind of thing where they should be putting their investigative reporters on top of all of these kinds of issues. Yeah, that, and, that, and trying to correct the record, if anything. Yeah, that was my next, uh, my next point, or my next question. Um, we've talked about this probably every time you've been on, about the, the fact that this is missing uh, fairly, uh, I guess, relatively recently uh, from newsrooms. But shouldn't the government, shouldn't, like, stories popping up that show that the government was wildly wrong about something this important, shouldn't that be a story that whips any good newsroom into a frenzy and, and whips and, and causes a good journalist to go, give me that story. Oh, we that's that's what a we gotta we gotta dig into that. Instead, it's and eh, they dismiss it. Yeah, uh, you're right. Th- these kinds of revelations should really prompt journalists, quote unquote journalists, to really go after these stories. But when you've got people who are activists, uh, it, th- it's not going to uh, strike them in the same way, and they're less likely to go after it in the same way that you might have seen journalists you know, 30 and 40 years ago when there was a little bit more pride that they went where the facts led uh, or at least started to investigate where there might be facts and to try to determine the accuracy of those rather than to say, who's this going to help, who's this going to hurt politically, which I, I, I hate to say that, but th- there's, there seems to be plenty of evidence that that's happening in the, the hierarchies of many of these news organizations. And that's why, as we've talked again before about why credibility of these news organizations has declined so much is people just don't have confidence in them really trying to give us an accurate view of the world and to kind of set the stage for us to be able to make our own decisions. Too many journalists now feel like it's their job to push our opinions in certain ways. And just as one news consumer, I don't necessarily appreciate that. I kind of figure, give me enough information, I'll sort it out myself. And my my guess is that's how many of your listeners feel, too. So I have to ask you along those lines about the story about Fox News hosts uh, being accused, and this came out in a lawsuit uh, against Fox by Dominion uh, Voting Machines. Uh, they're Fox News, not the, the I guess the opinion hosts, not the news people, but the you know the the, um, the nighttime commentary people yeah. pu- pushing voter fraud uh, while privately saying that they thought Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, the attorney who was pushing it and going after. Um, Dominion were nuts. So, do Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Laurel Ingram, Laura Ingram, do they have some explaining to do? I think they do. Yeah, I mean, and uh, you and I have uh, held the feet to the fire for people at CNN and MSNBC at various times, and I think Fox News has, needs to have its feet held to the fire too on this particular issue. And I guess my sense is, if they really did have their suspicions, uh, why were they putting Giuliani on TV? And why were they kind of continuing to report with a straight face or make commentary with a straight face, I guess I should say, uh, if they really did have their doubts behind the scenes? And what it makes it look like is they were only trying to appeal uh, to the Trump supporters in a way that would get them to watch, but not necessarily inform them. And I guess the other thing I would say about that is, even if they had their doubts one way or the other, they should try to get some reporting to, to tell us factually as best they can you know, what they know and what they don't know about possible election fraud, rather than to just say, oh, there's election fraud because Sidney Powell told us, or Rudy Giuliani told us, like, hey, challenge them, have them bring the data, have them bring the evidence, uh, rather than to kind of pander to them as well. So I think Fox does have some explaining to do, uh, and it's been weird to watch this lawsuit play out. Um, and I'm not sure where it's going to go. Um, because, you know, I think, 
you know, it, it's hard to win libel suits or defamation suits against the news media in this day and age. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the company doing the suing is, is a public entity in a sense, okay? Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, we, Fox has a lot of leeway here to be able to do commentary and report on stuff, and they would have to prove really that Fox intentionally tried to defame them um, rather than just a report on election fraud kind of generically. And that it'll be interesting to see where that case goes, and I, we haven't heard the end of that yet. And I, I see that Sidney Powell is not backing down. She's, still, she's sticking with her story. She's saying it's no, there's, there's no way that Biden could have won the data that just makes it impossible. So that, that's another story. But uh, we're talking to Jeff McCall uh, of DePaul University, a professor of communications. I wanted to finish uh, with this while we still had time. Uh, a guy named Casey Chalk had an interesting piece at the Federalist today about how so many stories are racialized by the liberal media. And it was in response to a Washington Post columnist who was criticizing conservative media for racializing the East Palestine story. So is this something new, racializing, and does one side do it more than the other? <laughs> well, Racializing, I think, is a bad journalistic practice to start with, and I think it's a bad political practice as well. And people wring their hands all the time about how much polarization we have, and a lot of that is around matters of race or at least culture or socioeconomic class. And so I think every time you pull that tool out of your, your toolbox, you know, you're wanting to destroy something rather than to build something. And so, you know, it, it does seem to me, my instinct tells me that we're more likely to have stories racialized from left-leaning news outlets than from right-leaning news outlets. And I think partly because the right-leaning people are more into meritocracy, for one thing. But I also think that they're trying to move the world past racialization. And I might just say this. As a nation, the United States has moved very far and, and I think made a lot of progress in matters of race generally. This is not to say we're in a post-racial world yet. You know, when you think about it, which nation on earth has managed, you know, a multicultural society as we have over the years? So, I mean, there's a point where I think we should say we're doing pretty well. We need to keep working at it, but we're doing pretty well. And let me tell you this, too. I'm around college-age level kids all the time. They get it. They understand. Uh, that, that's not to say they don't occasionally get their noses bent out of shape one way or another about matters of race. But they work well together. They understand the importance of a multiracial society, and they get it. And so I think when you have political leaders or leaders in the journalistic industry trying to racialize things, I think they're running against the grain of where the nation is going right now for their own selfish purposes. Well, Jeff, uh, I'm out of time, and it's always good to have you on. I'm sure we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks because uh, there's, so. there's always something out there. There is. Something's going on in the media all the time. Thanks, John. Okay, thank you. That's Jeff McCall. He's a professor of communications at DePaul University. We'll be right back. My son, Finn, was born with congenital heart disease. He ended up spending about the first eight months of his life in the hospital. During that time, he endured 10 surgeries, including an open-heart surgery. Starlight Children's Foundation has played an important role in my family's life. For five weeks when he was a baby, Finn lived in a Starlight Hero wagon. You could not understand the pure joy of having him go from a hospital bed into his favorite red wagon. Starlight doesn't just give items that hospitalized kids can use to keep themselves happy, but also memories, moments, and experiences which are so needed in times like these. They allow sick kids to just be kids for a little while. The support that Starlight provides to families like mine is an integral part to creating happiness at a time when there's very little to be found. Learn more about how Starlight Children's Foundation brightens the lives of sick kids by visiting starlight.org today. If you have an IRA or 401k, please listen closely. My name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. Throughout my career, let's just say I've been in some hairy situations. And I believe right now the biggest threat facing Americans is they need to protect their wealth, which is exactly what I'm doing for my wife and six kids. And I believe the ultimate safe haven is physical gold and silver. You can protect your hard-earned retirement assets with a tax-free loophole that allows you to convert your retirement into physical gold and silver. The folks 
products I use are Advantage Gold, and believe me, I've investigated the heck out of all types of people. Advantage Gold is the nation's highest rated gold company. They have the best process, pricing, and service. If you want to get your free gold and silver investment kit, please contact Advantage Gold right now, and you'll see how easy it is to protect yourself with precious metals. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. The John Steigerwald Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Well, if you're a regular listener to this show, first of all, uh, thanks for being one of those if you are. But um, you've heard me say many times as a former uh, full-time sports reporter, anchor type guy, that the solution to the transgender insanity where you have men and boys playing against women and girls is for the women and girls to just not play when they see a man show up. If you are on a female team and someone shows up to play on that team, you say, well, he plays, we quit. And the whole team gets together and says, we're not letting him take a job away from anyone. I'm not letting him take a job away from any of my friends. And same thing when a team shows up with a boy on it and you're a girls' basketball team, everybody walks off the floor and says, go ahead and have a nice time. There's not going to be a game tonight unless that guy gets out of uniform and goes and sits down. He's not playing. So anyway, uh, it's it's beginning. people are beginning to get it finally. I can't believe it's taking this long, but up in Vermont, a girls' school has done it. Uh, it's the Mid-Vermont Christian School. They were supposed to play uh, in a division, a Vermont Division Four state tournament. And instead of playing, they decided to walk. They quit. They're not going to play. Uh, and they forfeited. They forfeited the game. And that's it. Not going to play. And so it's something that works. Okay? I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know what this the team that had the, the, the guy on it. And by the way, I'm looking at a picture here. The guy looks to be pretty tall. Uh, who, the guy who's uh, dressing up as a girl, he looks pretty tall and looks a lot like a male person, not a girl. Shouldn't be playing in a girls' basketball game. Uh, what I'd really like to see happen to the, this guy would be for a really big girl to elbow him in the face under the, under, the, <laughs> under the boards. Nice, really good, maybe a clean elbow, knock out a couple of teeth, but... But they they did the right thing in Vermont. These girls did it. Let's hope they keep doing it. And if it comes up here locally, just do the right thing and quit if a boy shows up to play against you. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.